0: Welcome to Managed Care Cast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. Aetna joins United Healthcare in passing on drug rebates. A Medicare milestone comes on Sunday, and new guidelines are created for people with HIV and cancer. Welcome to this week in Managed Care. I'm Laura Jose. As the public demands answers on drug prices, Aetna this week said it would pass on drug rebates to consumers following a similar move earlier this month from United Healthcare. However, only a small share of Aetna's customers will see the effect. Unlike United Healthcare, which owns the Optum RX Pharmacy Benefit Manager, Aetna wants to merge with CVS, a move that must be approved by federal regulators. FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb criticized rebates and their lack of transparency in a recent speech before America's Health Insurance Plans where he called them kabuki drug pricing constructs that lead to higher out-of-pocket costs for consumers. Rebating is at the heart of a current lawsuit over insulin prices, and the two sides will interpret the Aetna and United Healthcare decisions differently. For more, visit AJMC.com. Starting Sunday, up to 22 million Medicare beneficiaries will be eligible for the Diabetes Prevention Program, a 16-session program designed to keep those over age 65 from progressing to type 2 diabetes if they meet criteria showing they are at risk. This is the first time in the history of Medicare that at-risk patients can get access to a preventive service at no cost. If current trends continue, diabetes is projected to increase twofold among adults age 18 to 79 by 2050 with unsustainable costs. In 2016, Medicare spent an extra $42 billion on beneficiaries with diabetes, which includes an extra $1,500 on each person with diabetes for Medicare Part D for medication, an extra $3,100 for each person on hospital and facility services, and an extra $2,700 for each person on clinical services. Solera Health, which provides regulatory and technical support services for DPP providers, will launch a website April 1st to help beneficiaries determine their type 2 diabetes risk, verify their eligibility, and find a program. MedicareDPP.org will match all eligible beneficiaries with Medicare DPP suppliers that meet CDC and CMS requirements. Said CEO
1: Brenda Schmidt. We have recognized that there's a need in the marketplace To establish a national referral and enrollment site for DPP, because that's exactly the problem. I think physicians want to identify, screen, test, and refer their patients to a diabetes prevention program, but they don't know what to do. So we've actually registered a couple of URLs. MedicareDPP.com is one of them, 1 800 Prevent is another, and we're now doing the market research around what would be a national DPP referral and enrollment site that could enroll people efficiently in a national network of programs or find grant-funded programs for those people who may come to that site and not be covered by their program. Perhaps they're not Medicare beneficiaries, but they don't have commercial coverage. Um, And so also create a directory of grant-funded programs, so we will find a home for everyone. Um, Right now, if they have someone, we have wide coverage in a couple of states, including California and Florida, send them to Solera, the number for me.com, and we will do the same thing. We'll find a home for them and 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 a best fit DPP partner to help them on their journey to a healthy lifestyle.
0: People with diabetes learned this week that FDA approved a new continuous glucose monitor and created a new medical device class that should make future medical device approvals go more smoothly, as diabetes technology evolves at a rapid pace. The Dexcom G6 represents a major advance and creates competition with recently approved devices from Medtronic and Abbott. The patch device, about the size of a quarter, can send blood glucose readings to a mobile app on a cell phone, the device is factory-calibrated and does not require users to take finger-stick measurements to calibrate the sensor. FDA said the new review process would let manufacturers bring products to market in the least burdensome manner possible. For more, visit AJMC.com. Cancer has been part of the story of HIV from the dawn of the disease, with Kaposi sarcoma identified as one of its earliest distinguishing conditions. Only now, however, has the National Comprehensive Cancer Network created a distinct set of guidelines for treating people with HIV and cancer, which were presented last week at the annual conference in Orlando, Florida. Dr. Geeta Suneha of Duke Cancer Institute said people with HIV have both AIDS-defining cancers and higher rates of cancer overall. This is due to higher rates of viruses that lead to cancer and higher rates of smoking in the HIV population. Among the new recommendations, HIV status alone should not be used for cancer treatment decision-making, because many lesions may be non-cancerous, the threshold for a biopsy is lower. Drug-drug interactions are possible, so consults between HIV specialists and pharmacists are needed. Antiretroviral therapy is the backbone of treatment for Kaposi sarcoma. Lung cancer is the most common non-AIDS-defining cancer for people with HIV. And autologous stem cell transplant has been shown to be effective for patients with HIV and recurrent or relapsing Hodgkin lymphoma. There is still time to register for the AJMC live event, Advancing Quality in Oncology Care, a presentation of the Institute for Value-Based Medicine. The April 5th event at Rosen Shingle Creek in Orlando, Florida, will feature oncology and pharmacy experts, Dr. Lucio Gordon, Don Champlain, Aaron Liss, and Dr. Chris Kopinski. For more information and to register, visit AJMC.com. For all of us at the Managed Markets News Network, I'm Laura Jost. Thanks for joining us. And to learn more about any of the stories in this podcast, visit the website at AJMC.com or see the show notes.